a number of years ago, I um, went on a, on a holiday with Tanya's family. It was uh, Tanya's mum's 60th birthday and she didn't want to have a party or anything. She said, why don't we go as a family to uh, Tasmania? And uh, Tasmania is a beautiful place. And we went up, uh, up to Cradle Mountain and went for some walks around Cradle Mountain. And um, Tanya's brother and I are like mucking around with cameras. So we said, oh, we might, we might just hang around when everyone else is gone and we'll, we'll catch sunset and we'll, we'll play with our cameras at sunset. I'll get this the right way. And so, no, it was good. It was great. It was really nice. Now, there were no clouds and it was a bit of a flat sky. So we were a bit disappointed and it got, got dark and we went, well, clear sky. We can start playing with stars and stuff. And, and so we started playing around with photos at night and had a really good time. And then we thought, well, we better go now. And so we jumped in the car and started down the mountain. And all of a sudden you realise that... <laughs> Around here, there's an occasional animal, but at Cradle Mountain, they're everywhere. They just come out in droves. There's animals all over the place. And you're driving really carefully down the mountain and, you know, there's kangaroos coming at you, uh, running away from you, and they're kind of... Yeah, so, well, there was a couple of wombats. This, this, is, a, this is a photo I took of, of where we're coming down. Um, there, there, were a couple of, there were a couple of wombats that just wouldn't move from the middle of the road and you had to just wait for them to, to get out of the way. Um, and then there were some deers that, that kind of just were stunned by the headlights and then all of a sudden they kind of, kind of came to and they bolted off. Um, and sometimes for me, I've, I find coming to this, this time of Easter can be a little bit like those animals. I kind of, there's so much in the Easter story. There's so much in this kind of this 2,000 year old story that stood the test of time. But there's this, there's this guy that, that, that came to earth, um, that's God as well as human, um, that, that kind of, that decided to, to have a, 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 had a horrific death. Um, and, and, and he chose it. And, and when it all comes down to it, when he did it, he was thinking about us. And I go, wow, that's just, that's phenomenal. How do you, how do you think about that? How do, you, how do you feel about that? How do you respond to that? There's just so much in it. I just feel like there's this headlight and I just come around the corner and it's this noise and you go, what do you do? How do you respond? Um, and I think um, we, we've, been, we've been looking at... Um, We've been looking at um, people of faith, heroes of faith. Um, and we've been doing a series looking at some heroes of faith. Um, and so this morning I'm, I've chosen someone to look at that um, isn't a hero of faith. Uh, in fact, um, in looking at the question of how to respond to Jesus' death and resurrection, um, this guy we kind of we have a bit of a laugh at because um, he's doubting Thomas. All right. We all know doubting Thomas. Now, now doubting is something that uh, in in the church we kind of we, we look down upon doubting. That's not really loud in this place. Kind of, it's something that if you have any doubts, sweep them under the carpet so no one finds out about them. Because you know we want to be people of passion and you know vigor and excitement, and and so we laugh at we laugh at doubting Thomas. Um, this is this is what happened on that Easter. Um, that first Easter. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. 
Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nails wounded, the nail wounds in his hands, put my finger into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wounds in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Ah, Thomas, what a loser. (laughs) If only he was as awesome as me, believing without seeing. Oh, sorry, did I say that out loud? (laughs) Now, before we take this too far, let's have a look at what happened a little bit earlier when they're hanging out with a dead guy slash a live guy. Lazarus. They, they've been hanging out with him. <laughs> Just hanging. Finally, he being Jesus, said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? And then Thomas says, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. I'm not sure I want to compare myself to Thomas anymore. <laughs> we, we look at this, this story of doubting Thomas in isolation, but this guy was a little bit different to what we kind of pick on him for. We've even got, you know, doubting Thomas is a phrase that we use. Um, he's kind of he's stood the test of time as well because he doubted. And yet earlier, here he is prepared to die with Jesus. The others are all going... Let's get out of here. Why would you want to go back to Judea? They're going to stone you in Judea. And he's going, no, no. If that's where you want to go, I'll go there and die with you. So there's obviously more to this picture. And I think even the picture of how he responded to Jesus at Easter time, there's more to that too, um, which I'd like to look at now. The first thing is, I think he was actually honest and courageous because... To stand up and say, I'm having trouble here. I haven't, you've, you've all seen him rise from the dead. You've, you've talked to him. You've put your hand in his side. I wasn't there. I'm wrestling with this. To a bunch of people who are already that first step down the, down the journey. I reckon that's pretty brave. That's pretty honest. That's pretty open. Um, and, uh, and I think acknowledging his weakness... Um, and in acknowledging what he was struggling with, I think is pretty impressive. In fact, Jesus said in Mark 2.17, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, 
but those who know they are sinners. It was for Thomas that he was there. This guy that went, I've got issues, I've got things that I'm, I don't have it all together. Um, and I think that's pretty impressive. We've been looking at, uh, as I said before, heroes of faith. Um, and in fact, we quite often focus on the bits of their lives where they stepped out and did something amazing for God. But in actual fact, most of them we know from Scripture that they actually had moments like Thomas too. If you look at Abraham, he questioned possessing the land God promised him. Moses questions God's ability to use him. Joshua asked Moses to stop God prophesying through others. And Gideon also questioned God's ability to use him too. The only one that we've, we've looked at that I haven't got up there, does anyone remember? Uh, here's a test. Not Noah? Joseph, thank you. Joseph. And I looked through, I looked through Joseph's story, but the interesting thing was I, I realised that um, in Joseph's story you don't see a dialogue between God and Joseph, um, which is interesting. So there wasn't actually a point at which he said to God, you know, I, I'm having trouble here. So, but, um, but I'm sure when he was down the pit wondering what life was going to do for him next, um, he had questions. So in, in each of these heroic faith-filled people, there were moments of doubt too. There were moments where they went, what's God doing? How does, it, how does my life fit in? If we don't grapple with what we believe in and discover the truth, we'll just wander with whatever fad comes and goes. If we don't actually question things and challenge our doubts, um, then the next thing comes along and we go, I'll run along with that. Um, Proverbs actually says, only simpletons believe everything they're told. The prudent carefully consider their steps. The New Age movement's making lots of money out of this. People who want to have, um, uh, uh, who are spiritually hungry, um, and, and, you know, you can get rocks, you can get photos taken of yourself with auras, and you can get, there's, there's lots of money to be made in people not questioning where they're going, not questioning what the truth is. Um, in fact, Tanya and I went to a, a church planning conference a little while ago, and the, the big word that they use there, or one of the big words that they use there, is postmodernism. I don't know if you come across the phrase postmodernism. It's a bit of a, a kind of theological sociology sort of phrase. Um, and basically it means that um, truth is relative. So what's true for me is not necessarily true for you. So my reality might be different for your reality. So we can both have truth. It's a load of rubbish, but that's where our world's at. And there's people who hear the message of Jesus and go, that's nice for you. And, and the, the, the massive implications of that story don't actually make a difference to their lives. Um, they're, not, they're, they're not attached to it. They're not prepared to question or see that there is an actual truth. Secondly, um, so Thomas was honest and courageous. But secondly, Jesus responded. In this account, when Jesus entered the room that second time, he didn't get grilled by Thomas. He walked up to Thomas and said, have a look, put your hand in my side. You can see here, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. And I think it's very easy for someone who 
doubts or whatever to, to, to write them off. Ah, oh, they're doubting. They're having, you know, a crisis of faith or whatever it might be. But that's not how Jesus responds. When, when Thomas has these things that he's wrestling with, Jesus does what he always does, what he did on the cross. Time and time again, he, comes, he responds. Um, it's in his nature. He's a good shepherd. And I think that's awesome that, that in that moment of weakness, Jesus is there and he fills that place. He steps in. He responds. And lastly, Thomas embraced the truth. You see, he wasn't just talk. He wasn't just hot air. He actually engaged with his question, with his doubt. And when Jesus responded, what did he say? My Lord and my God. Like, how much more profound can you get a response than that? That's a response of servanthood and a declaration of how amazing this guy is. Our faith isn't a blind faith. It's a faith with a rock-solid foundation. But don't ask a question you don't want an answer to. Because if you, if you have a doubt and you want to know the answer to the question, you might actually be confronted with something as a response. And this is what I think is awesome about Thomas, is not only did he, was he courageous and put his hand up and say, I've got something I've got to wrestle with here, but when Jesus respond, responds as he does, Thomas went, I get it. I, um, I went rock, rock climbing with a youth group once, took a youth group rock climbing. Now, um, I'm a little bit top-heavy and uh, don't trust my balance, as Daryl will tell you when I had to go on the Segway. Um, it was quite entertaining, I think, uh, for, for everyone but me. Um, and so to take a bunch of kids rock climbing probably wasn't the smartest idea because obviously you've got to do, you've got to get in and have a go too. Now, does anyone know what that is? Car what's it called? Carabia? Carabine? Carabine? I don't know. Carabina. Thank you. Thank you. Carabina. <laughs> Thanks, John. Carabina, Carabina. Um, now, if anyone's been rock climbing, and this was just an indoor rock climbing wall, this little thing here, and that's about 10 times bigger, it's about this big, basically holds you up, basically keeps you, when, when you let go of the rocks, which an unbalanced person like me is likely to do, that little thing is all that's keeping you there. And I looked at that little thing and went, there's not a hope that that thing's going to hold me. <laughs> Let alone the rope that it's attached to. I'm not little, you know. And the guy went, no, 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 that's, that's rated for a lot more than your, your weighing. <laughs> but he was diplomatic about it. But... And I looked at him and I went, wow, you serious? I went, yeah, yeah, no worries at all. Not an issue. And so then I had to climb up this wall trusting this little thing and some 14-year-old holding a rope at the bottom <laughs> to climb up this wall, which I was sure I was going to fall off. Now, I didn't fall off it, which was really good. 
But what it illustrates is that I asked the question, the guy said, it's okay, it's all right. But then the ball's back in my court. I could have said, no, I'm out of here, thanks, I'll let the kids do it. But I guess that's the step of faith that you have to take. And that's what differentiates the heroes of faith, is that when it comes to the crunch, they go, yes, I had my doubt. Yes, Jesus came and held me and carried me through that doubt. But at the end of it all, I took that step of faith and I walked with it. I ran with it. I know all the things you do, this is from Revelation, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich, I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. God's not after mediocre. He's not after half-baked. If you're going to ask the question, be prepared for the answer. And when you get the answer, you've got to actually wrestle with it and, 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 and take it and run with it. And I think that that's, um, that's what's so impressive about Thomas. When we come to this Easter story, this kind of headlight in the face that you just can't comprehend... There's no way we're going to ever fully understand what Jesus went through on that cross. Um, it's just way beyond anything that we can, we can kind of grasp. And yet he went, I don't get it. I, I want to get it. I want to understand. I want to, I want to believe. And Jesus was there, right there with him and said, it's all right. I'm here. Let me help you. And then the impressive thing is that he saw that and accepted that and ran with it. Now, traditionally, Thomas actually took the gospel to India. Um, and there's some evidence that says he might have been martyred. Um, so you kind of, we take this little picture in isolation and we kind of look at Thomas as someone of weakness. And yet he was the real deal. I reckon he was the guy who wrestled with what he believed and he took the response and ran with it. And for me, that's a real inspiration. There's a, there's a verse, I'm not sure if I've got it here, I think I might have, in Philippians. It says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now, if we stop there, we kind of be pretty good Pharisees. But it goes on. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This isn't, this isn't I'm not telling you that you've got to do a whole heap of stuff and, you know, faith is in your hands and you've got to create something from nothing. Because this tells us that it's God that's doing the work in you. We've just got to step up. And God does the rest. Um, and it's a real encouragement 
when we wrestle with these big things, when we see these big things that we go, I don't understand, I don't know how to respond. The response is to go to God. The response is to say, I don't understand. The response is to say, I'm weak. There's many areas of my life that, that I find challenges in. Um, my boldness to share my faith with others. My um, morality in the workplace. And people are laughing about stuff I know they shouldn't be. And how do I respond to that? There's the way I, the things I think and do when nobody's watching or listening. I know I haven't got it together, but I think Christ's death and resurrection is a light that shows some purpose and some direction that I can't have in and of myself. And I think I've got to put my hand up and admit that. I've got to put my hand up first and say, I don't have it together. And I need Jesus to respond. But my hand going up is not just hot air on a Sunday morning. Because you know what? There's tomorrow as well. And the day after that. And I think sometimes that's the challenge, is that I can come here and worship and have an awesome time praising God here, but it's tomorrow that we've got to think about. And the day after that, I'm, I need to, to wrestle with these things and, and to, uh, to accept what Jesus has for me all the time. Let's pray. Lord, you are awesome. We'll never fully understand what you did on the cross for us. And yet at the same time, Lord, we don't want to just sit back. We don't want to just be lukewarm. We want to put our hands up and say, there's parts of our lives that we haven't got it together. There's parts of our lives that aren't pleasing to you. And we don't acknowledge that for sympathy, Lord. We don't acknowledge that just to get it off our chests. We acknowledge it because... We accept what you did on the cross for us. We accept that gift of salvation, of new life. And we ask, Lord, that you meet us in this place. You meet us in this place and you, you answer those questions. You give us that, that confidence. As this passage says, Lord, you are working in us, giving us the desires and the power to do what pleases you. Help us do that, Lord. Help us be those people that glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. It says in, it says in Titus, when God, out, and I, the people who were up the hill heard this this morning, um, when God our Saviour revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Saviour. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. Thank you.